In this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast, we'll be talking about the latest drama in BYU basketball, the injury to Yoli Childs, what it means. We'll also be talking about the upcoming road trip to Gonzaga. We'll be breaking down about BYU football and a contract with the University of Utah and talking about the NFL and BYU's representation with players in the NFL playoffs. This and much more in this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast. This is Dick Hartman along with Jay Drew and uh, Jeff Call, and uh, let's have a little fun here. What the heck's happened to BYU basketball with Yoli Childs? Can he stay on the court, Jeff Call? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was kind of an interesting Tuesday. We were at practice in the annex, and a bunch of us were sitting up there, kind of observing from you know with the glass behind the glass, and they actually dropped a curtain. The intent of that was to kind of make the court smaller, kind of like St. Mary's, kind of, you know, make it a little bit like uh, the court at St. Mary's. So it was kind of hard to see. But at one point, we saw Yoli grabbing his finger. It looked like he was in a lot of pain. And they rushed him off the court, you know, presumably to the trainer's room. And uh, we didn't know exactly the severity. I don't think anyone did at that point. But uh, after after practice, Coach Pope said, you know, he should be fine and things like that. So as the week progressed, we started, you know, hearing Sources and other people started to kind of got to hear rumblings that it may be more serious than people thought. And sure enough, we got the official word about uh, an hour before tip-off there at St. Mary's that he had an open, open dislocation of his finger, which I don't think you want to Google that because it's, you know, it's not for weak stomachs. But uh, basically, it broke through the bone, broke through the skin. And now the concern is about uh, the wound closing, maybe infection taking place. So anyway, he's got a big splint on his finger. And we don't know the timetable for his return, uh, but it's just incredible after all that Yoli went through to get back on the court, and now you can't write it like this. You can't write a script like this well, yeah. in his year. Well, and then you know the first game back, he has this incredible game in his season debut, twenty nine points, and then he can't finish the game because he's got cramps in his legs. So yeah, it's it's cr- another crazy turn in this season, and I have no idea when he'll be back. But uh, you have to say that without him, I mean BYU's fighting the best they can, and they're they're doing getting the most out of what they have. I think. Jay, they're at St. Mary's, a place that they have had a very tough time winning, but they get it into overtime. They have a couple of chances, a couple of shots that were makeable that they could have won that game, and uh, they did it without Yoli. What are we to learn from that? Yeah, this is a tough, gritty, hard-nosed team, uh, very mentally strong. A lot of teams, when they got down nine, I don't know how much time left, a little under, yeah, I thought they were going to fade. I just thought, well, yeah, now they've got an excuse. And, and But they, they showed a lot of heart, a lot of grit and toughness. I think that's what Coach Pope has brought to the team, and I think that's what Jake Toulson has kind of brought to the team as well. So, uh, you know, I don't think they can hang their heads losing at St. Mary's, although St. Mary's turned around and got beat by Santa Clara, you know, two nights later. Uh, but, but if there's one thing that's kind of sticks out about this team, it's that they're having trouble finishing just a little bit. Uh, I know they beat Houston in a close game. But they've lost some really close games that they, if they could have pulled out, you know, they'd have be having a really special season. For instance, the Utah game, even the even the early game against San Diego State, and and now with St. Mary's in overtime, I think aren't they zero and three in in overtime? Yeah, Jeff? three of their five losses. Yeah, are in Boise's overtime, the so, other one. Yeah. So yeah, so they're uh, maybe if if there's a flaw in this team, it's it's probably the failure to finish. But other than that, they've been pretty impressive. Well, the only game they've really lost in kind of a you know it's out of touch was the to num- to Kansas. Right, and the other games they've had, a, they've been right in it. They've had a chance to win. They've taken it to overtime. They've done it with uh, Yoli, without Yoli, and then then we come to the game against Portland, and you get T.J. Haas having a career high in assists. 
it seems like TJ's kind of finding a role with this Mark Pope offense and defense, but he, he's become more of a force than he's been in his career, it seems like, in setting everybody up and feeling good about himself with the ball in his hands and what his role is. Yeah, I think what we're seeing from TJ is a guy who's a senior, a guy who's really hungry, who really wants to get to the NCAA tournament. This is his last shot. He's been through a lot in his career. Over the years, you've seen a lot of changes, a lot of guys come and go, and, and this is kind of his last stand. And I think, you know, we're seeing him play with a sense of urgency. We're seeing a guy that's playing, that just wants to win, that flat out wants to win. And I don't think he cares about uh, his personal stats, but because of the way he's playing, I mean, he's he's accumulating some impressive numbers. I mean, he had 29 points against St. Mary's. And like you said, not only 14 assists, but 14 assists with zero turnovers. That's amazing. And that's that has not been done since... Uh, Randy Reed did it back in 95 against Texas Tech. It's been a long time since we've seen something like that. So you look at it and, you know, and I, I think like what Jay was saying, the, a lot of the grittiness and toughness of this team, I, I give a lot of credit to Coach Mark Pope, but I also give credit to these guys who are seniors who we, we have not seen a BYU team with seniors, right, Jay? I mean, yeah, we've seen, year I can't after year, remember one that's even close. I mean, there's been many. years where senior night, there's no seniors to honor because <laughs> yeah. there aren't any. And so it makes a difference. It does. That leadership it really does. And, and yeah. Guys that really want to mm-hmm. get out there and have the, a good finish of their career. Yeah, we're seeing, I mean, guys like Zach Selius and Dalton Nixon. I mean, you'll go up and down the roster. I mean, guys are just contributing in whatever way they can uh, to help this team win. Jay, uh, this coming week, they're going to play, be playing San Diego, who really is last in this league. That, that's expected win. But then they go to Gonzaga, number one team in the country. Uh, they have defeated Gonzaga when they have been ranked number one. That, that's doable. That's something they have done. But what's your take on that trip uh, to Spokane? I hate to say it, but it's probably going to come down to if Yoli Childs plays. If Yoli plays, and you know it's probably up in the air at this point, I think they got a shot. I really do. They, they were playing well enough even without him, but but with him, Gonzaga, this isn't, I know they're number one, but this isn't as good of a Gonzaga team as those in the past that have been number one. They've shown that in some of their previous WCC games already. So the one thing I will say about Yoli's injury, the last time I heard about open dislocation of a finger was way back when Ross Oppel, the receiver, had it 10 years ago or whatever it was. And they kept saying, oh, he'll be back in a week. He'll be back. And this went on for like six weeks. So those things aren't, uh, when, especially if there's infection involved, from all I've read and heard, these things are pretty serious. So, you know, knock on wood, hopefully uh, Yoli will be back, but I wouldn't count on it. It, it looks so, I don't want to say it looked funny, but it looks sad when you see BYU at St. Mary's and they are winning that game. They have a chance to win the game. They've got a lot of chances to win the game. And then they flash over to Yoli Childs. He's got this brace on his finger, and he's sitting there on the bench like he did for the first nine games of this season, unable to help his team, and you wonder what could have been. What could have been with the season, with that game, with everything, Jeff? Yeah, I, I think that's going to go down as the season goes on, and in the future we'll always look back and say, you know, what could have happened had Yoli played the full season? And it's, it's, really, it's really too bad that uh, he's had these bad breaks and things that have happened, and but if he can come back healthy, I think uh, you know there's there's a lot of good things that this team can accomplish if if he's back to full strength. Deseret News has a new podcast, Zion's Suffragists, to tell one of the most shocking and delightful stories in American history: how Utah women were the first in America to vote. See Utah's women like you've never seen them before, running for office against their husbands, meeting presidents of the United States, showing Susan B. Anthony how to run an effective campaign. I'm Diana Douglas. Listen to Zion Suffragists at Deseret.com or anywhere you get your podcasts.
Let's shift uh, gears a little bit to football. And, uh, Jay Drew, it looks like uh, BYU and Utah have been working without any kind of a formal agreement, just kind of an agreement on, hey, let's get together and fix uh, our schedule down the line. Could you explain what you wrote about and what it means and kind of what you got out of that? Yeah, just kind of the, the background. Uh, after they announced on September 23rd that they were uh, were taking two years off and that they had extended the series uh, through 2028, I just heard some rumblings that uh, BYU really wasn't happy with how it all went down, that maybe they felt like they were getting strong-armed a little bit by Utah, that and then they maybe agreed to this so uh, without really w- wanting it. So I filed a open records request for uh, for the game contracts for this game from the University of Utah, a public university, obviously, that uh, is subject to those requests. Uh, and I just kept getting put off and put off. Literally, after every two-week deadline passed, I'd get a note from the U basically saying, uh, we've been unable to fulfill that request. Uh, give us another two weeks. Literally, this went on for more than three months. So... Uh, um, ironically, uh, a, a week ago today, so last Monday, they finally delivered a bunch of contracts, but the contract that I actually wanted the most wasn't in there. I had all these previous contracts. So then I got uh, the USID, Paul Kirk, involved, and I just said, hey, what's going on with this? And, uh, and he said, "They're just there's no contract. He basically said they gave you what they have, and I and so uh, um, I said, well, you know, I'm probably going to be writing about the fact that there's no contract, and uh, and then he he kind of said, well, you know, give us a day or two, we'll see what we can find out, and uh, I also reached out to Duff Tittle at BYU and and asked him, hey, why is there no contract? And then uh, lo and behold, uh, I think it was. Last Thursday morning, they provided a contract, and sure enough, they had Tom Homo and uh, Mark Harlan's signature on there. And so I uh, asked around and said, "Hey, what, what's going on?" And they said, "Literally, they just signed the contract yesterday." So they went three months without a contract on this game that they had announced, which totally breaks BYU policy, as Jeff knows. Whenever BYU has a game that, and you inquire, or there's rumors, you inquire, say, "Hey, what's going on?" They'll always say, "We're not going to say a word until we have a contract." But for some reason, they broke form and and went with this game without a contract and announced it anyway. Both schools announced it on September 23rd. Without any paperwork being done. With nothing. And so the kind of the tact I took on the story, the angle I took was that they trust each other enough. These two new athletic directors, Tom Homel and Mark, or Tom's not new, but Mark Harlan is new. They trust each other enough that they let this go that long without a contract and they finally got a contract hammered out. That's probably a good thing about this rivalry is these, that, yeah. that could happen in this because you hear all these things out there and if you're... Uh, in the middle of a, a bunch of fans for the Utes or the Cougars, it's it's do or die. It's it's hatred. It's this, that, and the other. But this this story kind of shows no. There was a handshake and an agreement, and it came came forth. Yeah, it's, yeah, and, and that's what I tried to spin on it. I, I I thought it was just an interesting story to tell people. That's why we in the Desert News we came out with an article. It was just kind of the machinations behind this whole thing. But the the spin that I put on it was that they the trust is there that they were able to do this. Men's volleyball. Kind of on a run here, uh, Jeff Call. I don't know if you were able to see any of those matches. You were probably involved. No. You're probably involved on the road uh, trip uh, to St. Mary's. But uh, seems like the men's volleyball team is off to a good start. Yeah, I mean uh, to beat Penn State's a pretty good uh, accomplishment. And I don't know, Jay. You you know more volleyball. You follow it more closely than I have over the years. Yeah, they're uh, ranked number two. I think in, in today's rankings just came out. They're up to two. Uh, they won a couple big matches back east in Chicago and at Lewis. I think that's the school that's in, uh, I think they're in Ohio. I'm not sure. But they're a pretty good volleyball school. But then sweeping 
beating Penn State, not losing a set. It's, uh, it looks like uh, they got a pretty good team this year. I saw one rally. It was on YouTube. It was a rally that lasted, seemed like two or three minutes of going back and forth with great saves, great digs, you know, great, great you know, spikes over the net and then, and then people stopping it. And it went on a while. It was pretty impressive volleyball. Yeah, it's a, it's a good team. It's a, a lot of tradition. They've got uh, been able to tap into some foreign talent. Uh, Gabby Garcia Fernandez, I think he's out of uh, Puerto Rico. I'm not saying that's a foreign country, I, but uh, I know my geography. But uh, players that aren't, aren't uh, you know, from just local players around here, like BYU basketball kind of relies on a little bit. So it's been, a, it's been good. Final word, Jeff Call. What's on your mind? Well, I think once again, like last week, I think what I'm thinking of right now is just uh, the success of former BYU football players in the NFL. I mean, you've got three uh, BYU football, former BYU football players that are still in the playoffs looking to get to the Super Bowl. And, you know, you got Daniel Sorensen with the Chiefs. You got Fred Warren with the Niners. And, of course, Jamal Williams with the Packers. And it makes, uh, you know, for me, it's, it makes it more fun to watch to see these guys that we've covered for so many years. And, and one, one of the thoughts I had was, um, you know, I think – Toward the end of his career at BYU, I think Bronco Mendel Hall kind of got a bad rap. This guy can't recruit at a high level. Well, look at these guys that he brought into the program, what they're doing in the NFL. And, and it's uh, pretty cool to see, to watch these guys playing. And, uh, you know, there'll be at least one guy in the in the Super Bowl, I think, uh, playing. So it'll be fun to watch. They'll be represented. Uh, Jay Drew, your final word. Yeah, last uh, week I had a uh, story in the Deseret News about BYU's recruiting efforts, how they're going, and kind of focused on the targets they have remaining to, to to, uh, that they want to sign in the first Wednesday in February. The dead period ends uh, January 16th, so coming up here at the end of this week, at where coaches can go back out again and, and make their final pushes. And uh, it's going to be a big couple of weeks for BYU. There's four or five guys out there that would really, really help them if they can land them. My final word, gentlemen, um, again, it seems like I'm doing this every week, and that is to pay tribute or a salute to somebody who's passed on. And this past week, Brian Gray, a guy that played in the late 90s for Lavelle Edwards, a cornerback. He passed away early, right near his birthday, age 44. One of the best cornerbacks that BYU's ever had, a hard hitter. A good, he was good size, about six one and a half, and he ran a four four forty and uh, played on some very uh, good teams, on some very good defenses, and he passed away uh, near his home in Los Angeles. And uh, it sounds like to me that he'd been struggling with some addictions and, and had a hard life, and his teammates really thought a lot of him. And then Clayne Jensen, who was the former vice president at BYU over athletics and also athletic director interim between Rondell Felberg and uh, Lynn Tuckett. I think that was about the area about there, about the late 80s, early 90s. He passed away at age 89. So our condolences to those two families and uh, a shout out to those who, who knew him, uh, you know, rally, uh, rally around uh, them at this time and, and, uh, and the prayers are with them. You've been listening to the Cougar Insider Podcast. This is Dick Harmon along with Jeff Collin. Jay Drew, we invite you to uh, dial up this podcast, download it, listen to it wherever you find them, and uh, have a great day.